I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Who are you? <laughs> really, who, who are you? Well, this is a twofold question. First of all, I want to know who is listening. Why don't you come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls and give me a shout out. Let me know who you are. I will follow you back on Twitter and we will have a great old conversation. But that's not what I really mean by that question. Who are you? Our identity shapes so much of, of what we do, of how we experience life. And where we get our identity from is going to have profound impact on what that looks like for us. Now, uh, I'm going to jump off our normal routine for a moment and admit to you that there's a specific sci-fi show, television show that I watch. I, I don't ever watch it live because that's not really how I consume media. Uh, I, uh, I have Netflix. And so every once in a while, they refresh that and you get new episodes up on Netflix and Christian and I will sit down and we'll watch several episodes at a time. And so this specific sci-fi show that shall remain nameless has re recently taken a really interesting uh, turn. They have, uh, they've taken all of their main protagonists who you've grown to know and love over the seasons and you've come to expect something about their behavior. And they have put them in this, in this uh, episode, in this season, well, this little section of a season, they've put them into a computer simulation, right? And so now you've got their consciousness floating around a computer. I know, it's sci-fi. You gotta go with me for a moment. We're, we're, it'll make sense in, in just a second. And so, but in doing that and putting them in this little environment, they, they fixed one regret, they said. They, they took one thing, uh, some impact in their life that they regretted and they switched it on them. And the results of it were quite profound. Now you have these people that you've grown to know and, know and love who are acting in a completely different way, still pretty consistent with their, with their personality, with who they are but now completely, completely different at a very core level in their outward expressions. And there was this line that he said. He said, one sentence can make all the difference, whether it's an, an I love you or whether it is a uh, good job or whatever that case is, one sentence at a specific point in our life can fundamentally alter who we become and what we identify ourselves as. And this, I, I sat there watching this and really knew that we had to talk about it here because we're here we are, we're talking about evangelization. And yes, this has to deal with evangelization. We're talking about evangelization uh, and sharing the good news that we have received of, of life in Jesus Christ with those who are around us. But evangelization has to come out of uh, who we are, how we see ourselves, uh, how we understand ourselves to fit within the framework of relationship with God. We talked a few weeks ago with Joe Heschmeyer that evangelization is always preceded by an authentic encounter with love, love being the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, and, and so we know that we have to encounter love 
and to, to evangelize out of that love. But I think more than that, we also have to evangelize out of an understanding of who we are to God. We have to come into contact and fall in love with God and know who he is to us, but then we have to know who we are to him. So this week, ask yourself that question. Who am I? Look yourself in the mirror and, and look yourself in the eye and say, who, who am I? Who am I? What's my place? What's that single sentence that's going to change my whole perception, the whole core of my life? As an example of this, uh, a while back, I, I made this observation, this realization, uh, how a single sentence can change things. Uh, on my Twitter feed, I had this little uh, bio. They have that section for who are you, and that's a question they want to know just as well as I think we ought to know it ourselves. And, and I put in uh, this little list, uh, who am I? I thought about it for a while, and I put husband, father, teacher, friend. It's got a nice little uh, flow to it, right? It, it, there's the there's a certain cadence to it that works, and so I, I put that down. And uh, a, a few, probably a few months, maybe even a year later, I was meditating on this, and I realized that I had really taken that sentence to heart because I was treating my relationships external to my family, uh, looking at them through the lens of whether or not I had something to impart to those people. Uh, to my friends, because my order was husband, father, teacher, friend. I realized that I had put myself as a teacher before I was engaging in relationships to really be a friend to someone. And that that troubled me because that's really not the proper order. Yes, there is a place for, for teaching, uh, but really friendships are not the place for that, right? Friendships are, are something that are balm for the soul, these people who walk with you and, and really make life uh, manageable, as I have experienced in recent months. And so uh, I, I recognized this, this was probably about a year ago, I recognized this and I changed it. I changed it a little bit. So now it says, husband, father, friend, radio host, blogger, Oxford, comma, devotee. Because that's really important. <laughs> that last one is really important. Uh, but it's less important than the others, right? So we're going to put these in order. What, what is the order of my life? Who am I primarily? And then secondarily, and then tertiary, and then on from there. That we make sure that we put all of our pieces in their proper order. Because as we do that, it's going to affect the outcome. As we look at ourselves in a specific way, it's going to affect the outcome. A single sentence can dramatically impact the way we experience and interact with the world and with those around us. And I think one of the traps that we often fall into is we attempt to set our priorities using conventional wisdom. We know that our priorities are important, uh, and yet somehow we keep falling into the same mistakes. Uh, you hear people say, no one ever at the end of their life regretted spending too much time with their family. They regretted working too hard or they regretted uh, whatever, whatever else the, the common things are. And yet still, time after time, the, the immediate, the urgent presses in on us and, and threatens to take over our lives. 
and then we blink and our children are grown and they're gone and we're stuck back in that cycle again, trying to get through to the next generation. Hey, let's set your priorities well. Uh, and so I think the problem that you and I face with trying to work out these priorities is that we don't really set them up uh, early enough. And, and what I mean by that is we don't set them up before the pressures of life come in, or or we don't set them firmly enough so that when the pressures of life come in, we can say, you know what, I realize that that's important, but this other thing is higher on the list of what's important, and I'm not going to let that get taken away. We're going to set those priorities appropriately. So I think one of those traps is that we use conventional wisdom, and linked to that, I think, is the problem that we don't take our priorities to God in prayer. Or if we do, we set them and then we take them to God and ask him to bless them. Rather than sitting down in silence and in prayer and in meditation and saying, good God, Heavenly Father, show me the priorities I need to have. Reveal to me the areas in my life that are not lining up with the universal call to holiness, that are not lining up with what you have for me to be. And to spend time listening and and sitting with that. Because, you know, my whole list that I talked about, the husband, father, teacher, friend, that seems fine. Uh, I used conventional wisdom. I thought that really encapsulated me well. And yet it wasn't what God would have me be. It's not what God wanted for me. And so I needed to sit in prayer and, and wrestle with who am I? And the way that I do that isn't by looking in the mirror or even by examining my own life. It's by taking it to the foot of the cross and offering all that I am to Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice to say, here I am, Lord, use me as you will. Here I am, show me the the places in my life that are not lining up and help me to have godly priorities. And from there, as he reveals to us who we are, then out of that can flow true, authentic, effective evangelization. We're going to be talking about that much more today with Deacon Keith Strom. Uh, He's written a book called Jesus, The Story You Thought You Knew, uh, available on Our Sunday Visitor. And it's all about coming to realize, one, who God is, who Jesus is in in a more profound way, but through that, to really learn who it is that we are, and out of that, to be able to be effective for the kingdom of God. It's going to be a great conversation. You're not going to want to go anywhere. Stick right here. Uh, in the meantime, while we're waiting for this commercial break to go on, why don't you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on that Patreon link right there in the top corner, and see all the different ways that you can support the work we do here with the show. Look at the different tiers and the different rewards that are offered to you, uh, special unbroadcast content, and much more. Uh Pick your level, find a way that you can support the work we do here at Outside the Walls and get cool stuff in the process. While you're at it, join the conversation over at facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And join the ongoing community and the ongoing conversation all week long. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and we're continuing and concluding our our lengthy conversation on evangelization. We've been talking about this since Pentecost. Uh, we had several great interviews with a couple of bishops, Sherry Waddell. Today, we've got Deacon Keith Strom. Uh, and and uh, so if you want to catch any of those and be a part of this full discussion, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on the episode archives, and you can find everything we've said on the topic. Uh, today, we are talking with Deacon Keith Strom. He is the executive director of M3 Catholic M3 Ministries, which is concerned with the making, the maturation, and the missioning, the three M's, of disciples. He's been a, a longtime teacher and collaborator with the Catherine of Siena Institute that we talked about last week, Siena.org, and is also the former director of the New Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Chicago. Deacon, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Timothy, thanks so much for having me. We're talking to you today because you've got this brand new book. Now, this isn't your first merry-go-round. <laughs> you uh, <laughs> you helped with the, the book uh, Becoming a Parish of Intentional Disciples. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. I was one of, I think, seven authors along with Sherry Waddell, and that book is really about how to practically put into uh, kind of into the daily life of the parish all of the principles that Sherry writes about in Forming Intentional Disciples. Mm-hmm. But now you've got a brand new book out, uh, Jesus, The Story You Thought You Knew. And we talked uh, a few weeks ago with uh, a seminarian, Joe Heschmeyer, about the uh, what the church teaches, the essential uh, nature, the essential event of an encounter with Jesus Christ before we go into the act of evangelization. Uh, the church talks about it in Evangelii Nuntiandi and uh, Evangelii Gaudium, uh, and so we've been over the last few weeks really kind of wrestling with what does that look like to to have an encounter with Jesus Christ? And this book is all about helping someone foster that encounter. There's a word that gets thrown around in discipleship circles and forums to, to uh, encompass this. Uh, it's the kerygma. Why don't you talk to us uh, a little bit about what kerygma is and and what you've done with that in this book? Sure. Uh, you know, the kerygma is really the essential core of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the good news of the Father's love in the person of Jesus. And uh, it is the kerygma itself, the proclamation of the gospel that the church teaches, and we see it in the lives of men and women whose lives have been changed and transformed by Christ. It is the kerygma itself that awakens faith. So just the proclamation of the gospel message is in an in and of itself a supernatural act whereby the Holy Spirit, who is already at work in the hearts of men and women, um, really then when the kerygma is received, the Holy Spirit can move and change the heart to say yes to that invitation to relationship. And so the reality is for so many Catholics that we haven't really heard the kerygma in its fullness. And so the, this book, uh, Jesus, the story you, you thought you knew, is really an attempt to find a, a way in which we can have men and women and young people as well really hear the kerygma, maybe in a new way, in a way since it's written, they can kind of sit with it, they can journey with it, and hopefully uh, have their faith awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the uh, 
I had a, a Protestant pastor friend of mine from before I converted who used to say, I, I sit down at least once a year. If I've not heard the gospel message, I sit down at least once a year and I look at myself in the mirror and I preach to myself. Uh, I, I want to hear again that that message that Jesus uh, died for my sins, that he made a way for me to be back in a relationship with the Father on the most simple terms possible. That's actually beautiful. I might actually start doing that. The, the reality is this is the central drama. This is the central uh, story of, uh, of life, of the human person made in the image and likeness of God. And, and men and women, through the grace of God, as they hear this story, are awakened to their own identity. And life, you know, living in a fallen world with all of its joys, but all of its grief and all of its issues can sometimes cause us to forget really who we are and, and whose we are. And so I think just hearing that charisma again and again is a reminder for those of us who really have chosen to follow Christ and, and have uh, placed our trust in him that there's always more. Mm -hmm. Today on Outside the Walls, we're talking with Deacon Keith Strom on this new book, Jesus, the Story You Thought You Knew. You know, I think maybe part of being in our information age, uh, part of having all of this information accessible by just, you know, punching the button and asking Siri a question, uh, we, we tend to think of the charisma, this this basic gospel message that fits uh, sometimes in just a little track, a little uh, or, or you know much larger books, we tend to think that that's a little too simplistic. That we need to to dig deeper and and really get into sometimes into apologetics, which has its certainly has its place. Sometimes right. into these theological treatises, which again certainly have their place. But I think that if we do those things to the neglect of simply saying, hey. Uh, you're going through a hard time, and I want you to know that I'm here with you, and I want you to know that Jesus loves you right here in this moment. If we neglect that, all of the other stuff won't have the same effectiveness. There's, as you said, there's this the amazing effectiveness out of these simple words that that we wouldn't think would be there, uh, and yet it's because it's infused by the Holy Spirit. I think that's right. I think the you know the natural inclination for. Catholics, because we have such a rich theological tradition and, and uh, you know, kind of rich spiritual theology and all the writings of the great, um, you know, spiritual giants in the history of the church, is that we want to break that open for people because it's amazing and it's wonderful. But, you know, the reality is sometimes uh, the men and women, even just in our pews, they have not wrestled with this fundamental invitation to relationship. And so uh, I, I tell people as I travel around uh, uh, North America, and I, it's so shocking sometimes to people, but I just kind of say you can't have a relationship with dogma. Yeah, Dogma is important, um, but you can have a relationship with the one to whom dogma points and from whom all, uh, all of it flows. And so once people have that encounter and, and multiple, really multiple encounters to a point where they're then willing to say yes to Jesus, then the church teaches, even in the general directory of catechesis, then after proclamation of the gospel, then the work of catechesis can begin. Because John Paul II said um, in Catechesis in Our Times, a wonderful um, exhortation he wrote that... Um, the definitive aim of catechesis is to lead people into intimacy with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that when we uh, try to lead with catechesis before we attend to that fundamental foundational relationship, 
we're really asking people to become intimate with a person they don't know. And, and if we think about it, that's really what our kind of hookup culture in the 21st century is about. Mm. You know, it's okay to become intimate with a person you don't know. And the reality with that is that then um, that's not a recipe for a lifelong life-giving relationship. And so, as you pointed out, it's it kind of almost in its simplest terms, it's just having that uh, opportunity to share the fundamental love and reality of the Father in the person of Jesus with someone. Well, and and you you talk about this this order uh, of introduction and then uh, building a relationship and then catechesis. And, and let's go using an analogy that Jesus would use. Let's go and look at uh, the farmer sowing seeds, right? The, the ground has to be prepared if a harvest is ever going to, to come. If there's any long-term benefit that's going to happen in a field, you have to make sure that the field is open to, to receiving the seed, to nurture the seed. Uh, otherwise, it's going to, as he said in the parable, he's going to be burned by the sun and shrivel up and die. And so I think that very often we we jump to this apologetics or this trying to uh, to navigate our way through having the right answer, <clears throat> and that person is not in a place where even if they get a right answer, it's going to bring them into a relationship. There has to be that relationship. I think you're absolutely correct, and I think that's one of the things that Sherry and the work of the Captain of Siena Institute, Sherry Waddell and the work of the Captain of Siena Institute has done so well is really help us to see that early part of uh, the process of pre-evangelization, of building trust. People who are not yet in trust, um, they don't want to argue. Right. You know, they often they just want to be heard. And so finding a space and creating a space for us who we who believe in Jesus to just hear the story and hear the thoughts of the men and women we encounter is so important. And then once that bridge of trust is built, then we can move forward. Uh, and, and I think that's really essential. And, and even the proclamation of the gospel itself is it's just a moment. And we have to recognize that, that just because we, we do first proclamation or we share Jesus, that there still does need to be more, but everything in its proper order. Everything in the proper order, everything in the proper time, that we we have to get standing with a person. We have to to be a, a person who has the uh, the trust to be able to speak into their life. Otherwise, we're just another person spouting answers, correcting them uh, that it's not going to be received. I, you're absolutely right. I think uh, Cardinal George, uh, who was the uh, Cardinal Archbishop uh, here in Chicago, he used to say many times that you can't evangelize what you do not love. Hmm. And I think that this opportunity, we often even look at pre-evangelization or those early thresholds or that, that initial time as an opportunity for the people we encounter to grow to trust us. But the reality also is it's a grace time for us that through the Father's love, we can fall in love with the men and women whom we are encountering. And in that kind of mutual relationship, uh, then that is the, that's really the soil in which the seed of the gospel can be planted. We're talking today with Deacon Keith Strom, author of the brand new book on our Sunday Visitor Press, Jesus, the story you thought you knew. We're going to continue this conversation on evangelization right after this break. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at Outside the Walls. And go ahead, go out and tweet that quote right now. You cannot evangelize what you do not love. What a fabulous quote 
We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and we're continuing this conversation on evangelization here in these weeks following Pentecost. This is the last week. Next week, we're moving on to uh, to another topic. We, uh, we generally uh, are episodic here in that we do one thing at a time and move from topic to topic. But since Pentecost, I've just had this drive to look specifically uh, at evangelization from a number of different perspectives. Uh, we've had uh, Bishop Sheridan from, from Colorado Springs. Uh, we've had Joe Heschmeyer, one of our favorite uh, guests, uh, seminarian from Rome, or the, our Rome correspondent, as I like to call him. Uh, we've had Sherry Waddell and Bishop Battersby from Detroit. And today we're talking with Deacon Keith Strom. He's got a new book uh, called Jesus, The Story You Thought You Knew, available on our Sunday Visitor Press. That's osv.com. Uh, and it's a great book that is specifically looking at introducing you or someone you love to the person of Jesus Christ, not through apologetics or, or uh, proofs or having the right answers, but just saying, hey, let me introduce you to a bigger story than you thought you knew. And uh, I, Deacon, thank you so much for being here on the show today. It's no problem at all. In fact, it's a real blessing to be here. So thanks for the invitation. In the last segment, you talked. You said this thing just in passing that I want to come back to. You, you talked about it's important to know uh, whose we are, this question of identity that I think so often we, uh, we miss. We, we, I'm a Catholic, we say, um, and we, we have that. But really, Catholic is not core or central to, to who we are or how we view ourselves in the rest of the world. And I, I see in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews and, and 12, uh, tries to bring out this same idea of remembering whose we are, uh, because he goes through this long chapter in 11, talking about all the different people who have gone before us, uh, looking at their lives and how they lived in faith. And then he says, therefore... As a friend of mine says, whenever you see a therefore, you have to go back and see what it's there for. So, um, therefore, he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, identifying with them, rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and the perfecter of our faith. And I think that our society is so prone to distraction that we lose sight of whose we are, and in that moment, we lose sight of our own identity. I think that's so true. One of the things that I've heard, um, there was a, a Protestant pastor, he said, you know, what we believe about who God is and what we believe about what this God thinks of us shifts and changes everything. And I really believe that that's true. Uh, the Second Vatican Council um, really highlighted this. I just love this quote that, that Jesus came to reveal God to man, but also to reveal man to himself. 
And I think fundamentally, a lot of the crises that we are dealing with, the existential crises that we have in our lives and in our families, it really stems from this kind of crisis in identity. Who really are we? And I like to say as I travel and teach and share the gospel and catechize and do the things that I do um, uh, for the people of God and, and for people I meet really on the street, is just to say that when we encounter Jesus, we discover our identity, we discover our purpose, and we discover our destiny. And those are essential questions. My identity, who am I? My purpose, what am I supposed to do with my life? And then my destiny, what what happens after this life ends? And those questions all find a real and uh, profound answer in the person of Jesus. You know, our society is absolutely enamored with, uh, addicted to this question of identity, but they look at identity through uh, our temporal experiences. They're, they're looking at uh, how I experience my relationship with others or how I experience certain affections, uh, and they wrap up the, the whole of who we are supposed to be on this scale that only really stems out of one tiny corner of our human experience, whereas... What we're called to do as Christians is to look not at what passes away, not at the temporal, but at what is uh, everlasting, what is eternal, and what will will per- persist and will last. Uh, and, and through that, through that lens, get a clearer picture of who it is we're meant to be. So the the, the theological term there, the the philosophical term for that is uh, teleology, looking at what is the very end. What am I made for? What's my purpose? What's my end? And then with that end in mind, having all the other parts of my life fall into place. I think that's really profound and, 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 and true. And I think, again, one of the great gifts that St. John Paul II gave to the church is that theology of the body, which is really an extended reflection on that reality. And, and fundamentally, you know, our... Um, our identity is wrapped up in the kingdom of God. It's like I, you talk about kind of current context and, and it's kind of interesting to talk about evangelization in this way, but you know, we don't see the, we shouldn't see anyway, the world through the, through the lens uh, primarily of our politics or our faith through the lens of our politics, but we should see the world and our politics through the lens of our identity and faith in Christ. And that is, I think a fundamental reality that we are uh, that we are missing, um, even in the church, and I think that that's part of what has brought us to this kind of crisis of discipleship in the churches. And uh, and I think that the especially in the United States, but really all over the world, the body of Christ is beginning to wake up and really connect with uh, the importance of encountering Jesus and sharing Jesus, and through that discovering who we really are. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Deacon Keith Strom, author of the brand new book, Jesus, The Story You Thought You Knew from Our Sunday Visitor. And you hit on something here that's really one of my my uh, pet peeves or one of my bully pulpits is this idea that uh, we, we have to start with faith being central to everything else. So we, we look at you know, too often we look at the bishops and we say, oh, uh, I like this bishop because he said this, and then the next day, oh, I don't like that bishop because he said the other thing. Uh, but we we look at our politicians and we give them uh, undying affection and love. 
and judge everything else based on our political platform, when really uh, politics and religion are attempting to answer the same question. Uh, what's the best way to order our life and our society to bring about the, the common good for all? And you can't serve, as Jesus said, two different masters. Uh, only one of them is going to have the full correct answer, and there's always going to be tension between the two. I think you're absolutely right. And I think I want to take it a step further because I, I don't even like, I don't even like using the word sometimes, uh, you know, that it's about faith, although obviously it is. I, I want to go a step further because, and this may seem shocking. And sometimes I like to throw these kinds of grenades when I'm teaching, uh, <laughs> is that I don't believe in Catholicism. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ and everything that Jesus Christ taught and all that he is, that he's revealed to the world, that the Father's revealed to the world is contained in and expressed in and lived out uh, in the Catholic Church and the body of Christ, the, the, the entire body of Christ. And so uh, I think it's so fundamental to just keep our eyes, as you mentioned before, that, that quote from Hebrews, to keep them fixed on Jesus. You know, Paul says that it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And part of that essential gospel message is that what that what humanity has lost, that that communion with the Father in the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit is restored in Jesus, in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, but not just restored, but deepened. And so that because of the ascension of Christ, our human nature sits at the right hand of uh, the Father and sits at the center of Trinitarian love. That matters. That's not just a theological point, but an existential reality. And, and that shifts and changes how I act in the world, how I live in the world, how I forgive others, how I'm in relationship. All of it flows from the person of Jesus. And faith is obviously an essential part of that. But I think we use those code words sometimes, even uh, kind of a shorthand, you know, uh, jargon in the best sense of the, of the word. But when Jesus is, is sort of hidden, because we don't speak about him explicitly, that jargon actually um, uh, sort of hides the reality of the person of Jesus rather than makes it explicit. Well, and beyond that, I mean, people get desensitized to to the, the, the jargon and the lingo. They they infuse it with what they understand it to mean and completely shut out. Uh, that's one of the beautiful things about the kerygma is that it is so shockingly simple that it it. it often defies uh, categorization, uh, and it, it really challenges a person uh, to, to encounter it. Well, what is love? What is it? So you keep saying, God died for me. I mean, if they really sit there and think for, about that for a moment, that, that, a, that God, who by definition is eternal, would die. Uh, all of this is shocking, in its language, all of this draws us into a story that's bigger than ourselves and helps us through that story find ourselves. We're talking today with Deacon Keith Strom. He's the author of the new book, Jesus, The Story You Thought You Knew. It's got study questions in the back so you can read it as a small group, read it together. And even if you're in a place where you are convinced that you know Jesus, Maybe you're having trouble with this charisma in expressing it to others. This is the book you need to pick up. You can get it at our Sunday Visitor, osv.com. Deacon, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. It was just a real blessing for me. Obviously, this is something I love to talk about, 
and especially to talk about it with a brother in Christ. So thank you so much. We'll be back right after this as we open up scripture and a reading from church history and continue this conversation. Why don't you join me over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. I'd love to hear what you think. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you're here as today we have concluded our conversation on evangelization. We've been talking about this since Pentecost. Uh, had just really some excellent shows, some of, some of my favorite ones ever, honestly. And you can get to them all over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click on that episode archive link, and you can find not only these shows, but every show we've ever done. Uh, catch up on ones that you've missed and share this one with a friend. If you want to hear more from Deacon Keith Strom, well, I've got great news for you. I actually have a little bit more of our conversation that we didn't air here today. And if you want access to that and, and content from many of our other guests, just become a patron of the show by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click on the Patreon link there at the top, and there you'll see a lot of different ways that you can help support the work that we do here at Outside the Walls. Uh, everything from $2 a month to quite a bit more, you can get into extra content, extra community engagement. Uh, everything from unbroadcast segments with our guests to book giveaways to monthly video chats uh, at a level that you're comfortable with. So come on over, look at OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link and see how you can get lots of cool stuff and support the work we do at the same time. And why would you want to support the work that we do? <laughs> well, uh, we, besides the fact that you really love this show and, and as when it comes on, you get stuck in the car because you don't want to get out because you want to hear how it ends. And I appreciate that. Uh, but the other reason is that we're currently on baby watch. We are, uh, at any moment, my wife could break into the studio and say, uh, stop everything because we have to have a baby. So we are expecting our seventh child, uh, just any moment. Uh, he's not due until the end of the month, but this being the seventh child, anything is possible. So keep us in your prayers and specifically keep my wife in your prayers as uh, this, this birth is imminent and it's always hard to be this pregnant. Not that I would know, but I'm told that it's always this hard to be pregnant in the summer. So keep her in your prayers uh, because she has to put up with this kind of humor while she's uh, nine months pregnant in the summer. So let's turn our attention now to our readings from scripture and from church history. Today's reading uh, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, where we hear this. Jesus said to his apostles, No disciple is above his teacher, no slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher, for the slave that he become like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more those of his household? Therefore, do not be afraid of them. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. 
Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. And this reading today reminds us of a couple of things. First of all, that we, you and I, need a heavenly, eternal perspective. Things are going to be hard here. We're promised that by Jesus. He said, they treated me poorly. The world is going to treat you poorly. He suffered. You know what? We're going to suffer. And that's okay. It really is. It's, It's uncomfortable. It's unfortunate. But it is okay that God is walking with us in the midst of that. We shouldn't be afraid of those who can cause us temporary distress. We need an eternal perspective that eternal perspective that says my soul and the soul of this person that I'm talking with is so much more important than uh, our temporary comfort. And, And so this doesn't mean that we go seek out uncomfortable conversations, but it means that when we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations, that we can speak with confidence and with boldness, this kerygma, this, this fact that we are fallen, we are sinful. And yet, Jesus Christ has made a way for us to be reconciled again with the Father, for us to participate in that universal call to holiness, for us to share in the divine life in a way that we could not of our own strength. And so how I see this today is it falls in just perfectly with our conversation today. We need to remember that in the same way that we acknowledge Jesus Christ before people in our circle of influence, that's the same manner that Jesus will recognize us and acknowledge us before his Father in heaven. And that's an important thing. I I want Jesus to introduce me to his Father. And so I'm going to take the time to introduce people around me to Jesus, right? Now, today's reading from church history comes from The Journey of the Mind to God by St. Bonaventure. Christ is both the way and the door. Christ is the staircase and the vehicle, like the throne of mercy over the Ark of the Covenant and the mystery hidden from the ages. A man should turn his full attention to this throne of mercy and should gaze at him hanging on the cross, full of faith, hope, and charity, devoted, full of wonder and joy, marked by gratitude and open to praise and jubilation. Then such a man will make with Christ a pash, that is, a passing over. Through the branches of the cross, he will pass over the Red Sea, leaving Egypt and entering the desert. There he will taste hidden manna and rest with Christ in the sepulcher, as if he were dead to things outside. He will experience as much as is possible for one who is still living what was promised to the thief who hung beside Christ. Today, you will be with me in paradise." For this Passover to be perfect, we must suspend all the operations of the mind, and we must transform the peak of our affections, directing them to God alone. This is a sacred, mystical experience. It cannot be comprehended by anyone unless he surrenders himself to it. Nor can he surrender himself to it unless he longs for it. Nor can he long for it unless the Holy Spirit, whom Christ sent into the world, should come and inflame his inmost soul. Hence the apostle says that this mystical wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. 
If you ask how such things can occur, seek the answer in God's grace, not in doctrine. In the longing of the will, not in the understanding. In the size of prayer, not in research. Seek the bridegroom, not the teacher. God and not man. Darkness, not daylight. And look not to the light, but rather to the raging fire that carries the soul to God with intense fervor and glowing love. The fire is God, and the furnace is in Jerusalem, fired by Christ in the ardor of his loving passion. Only he understood this, who said, My soul chose hanging, and my bones death. Anyone who cherishes this kind of death can see God, for it is certainly true that no man can look upon me and live. Let us die then, and enter into the darkness, silencing our anxieties, our passions, and all the fantasies of our imagination. Let us pass over with the crucified Christ from this world to the Father, so that when the Father has shown himself to us, we can say with Philip, It is enough. We may hear with Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. And we can rejoice with David, saying, My flesh and my heart fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and my heritage forever. Blessed be the Lord forever, and let all the people say, Amen. This reading is from The Journey of the Mind to God by St. Bonaventure. And what a, a powerful reminder it is. And we talked about this a little bit with Deacon Strom earlier, that there is this temptation uh, to, to move to apologetics, to move to study, to move to find a way to explain it. And this is good and right in a certain time and a certain place, but it comes out of the experience. It comes out of the ardor that we have for God. It comes out of love, out of that experience with love that we talked a couple of weeks ago with uh, Joe Heschmeyer. We first have to be overcome with the Holy Spirit. First, we have to be overcome with this kerygma, this, this fact that we had fallen, but Christ died for us to bring us back into relationship with him. This whole story of salvation should so consume us and fill us with love that then, then that, that study and that, that doctrine and that apologetic and anything else that you come to at that point, that's like getting to know someone better. But it, if you start with the study— it's very hard to get to the intimacy. If you start with the intimacy, with that passion, that longing for God, then the study can bear fruit and can be a positive thing. Can you think of a time that you've just been absolutely overcome with the love of God? I know a lot of people who, who have spent their whole life in church, but they haven't experienced this. They, they go to church every week faithfully. They, they help, they volunteer, they teach CCD, but they've never experienced this. I want you to take time this week and sit with this reading from St. Bonaventure and ask, ask for God's grace. Seek the answer in God's grace, not in doctrine, St. Bonaventure says, in the longing of the will, not in the understanding. Sit with Christ just a little bit this week in a new way, and ask, Oh Jesus, help me to know you. Help me to know you, who you are, and who you see me to be. It's a big task. That's all the time we have for this week. 
Today's show is brought to you by Lillian Vogel and the other people who support me over on Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. In the meantime, this conversation goes on all week long over at Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls and on Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.